Hi, and welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where you tell you about the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrity. I'm your host, Jose. Joining me is my co-host and best friend, Katrina Rochelle. How are you doing today, Katrina? I am well. How about you? I am well as well. Hey, I guess we some well motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) And today is going to be a long-awaited Katrina episode. Not long-awaited. Oh, no, the pressure is on me. (laughs) What are you bringing to the table today? So after last week being such a good episode, but a little bit heavy, this is going to be not like completely light and airy, but a little bit on the lighter side. Just talking about somebody who we know as a little bit of an asshole. Ooh, do we know and love? I don't know. I guess that's for you to decide. So... (laughs) Jose, are you familiar with a man named Curtis Jackson? Oh, do not love. <laughs> not do the not love. <laughs> well, what makes you react like that? Why don't you love this man? You know, I honestly don't know. It's just, there's, he's, when I hear about him, I just, I'm never on his side, I feel like. I, but I, I don't understand. I don't really look for him. So. He's not your type of guy. So maybe I'm not, like, you know, getting the full story. So I'm going to keep an open mind. Maybe, maybe. So today we're going to be talking about Curtis Jackson, also known by his stage name, 50 Cent. So this is going to be a little bit of a two-parter. This one, just me talking about a couple of 50 Cent's bigger beefs. And then I will do a second parter at a later date of some of his other beefs. Let's get started about Curtis Jackson, the person. Curtis Jackson, if you're not familiar, is the government name of famous rapper slash mogul 50 Cent. He is a legend cemented in hip-hop history, and he has also secured his Hall of Fame membership for the most beefs of any hip-hop artist. I'm betting it. I'm lucky bullshitting, but I'm not surprised if I would be right. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know about that. Who Who you think got more beefs? Just, just toss out a name just so I can Nikki. see it. Nikki more beefs than 50? I don't know. You, you I, I say, know she, Nikki I say she's not as direct. If it's not directed, <laughs> it's not respected. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like hip-hop and beefs kind of go hand-in-hand hand sometimes. Yeah, I just think that uh, unfortunately, like uh, there's a lot of manufactured beefs by labels or just to get publicity and promo. Unfortunately, I think that 50 Cent uses his beefs for promo, but unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, for his brand, he really don't like these motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, and I don't know if you would get into it, but oh, come on! What without any knowledge of their beef, I've always been Team Jaw Rule. <laughs> well, let's get started and see if we happen to go on Jaw Lane. Okay, murdering. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't watch it. I fucking cannot. So I'll go over a couple of his huge unforgettable beefs, one of which is still going on to this day. I'm sure most of you will know that one. Hint, hint, wink, wink. And some of his back and forth with these celebrities. So let's get started. Curtis James Jackson III was born July 6, 1975 in South Jamaica, Queens, New York City. As far as the Zodiac, he is a cancer. And man, seeing as I have a few cancers in my life and how petty 50 Cent is, sounds like a tracks. Definitely tracks. Curtis was raised by his mother, Sabrina Jackson, 
who became a drug dealer to provide for herself and her child, you know, out of necessity. And Curtis's father was not around. Unfortunately, Sabrina ended up uh, dying in a fire when Curtis was only eight years old. So at eight, he ended up getting raised by his grandmother, who also had other children who were a part of their family living with her already. So it was a bit of a full house. As a young teen, Curtis was interested in boxing and was pretty good at it. He went to the gym multiple times in his neighborhood and he was very interested in becoming a boxer, I think, maybe at the time, and was known as an amateur boxer in his neighborhood. But ultimately, he ended up deferring back to what he knew and grew up around, which was drug dealing. So as young as like 12 or 13 years old, Curtis was on the street selling drugs. I'm talking crack cocaine, heroin, the hard stuff. This wasn't no just slanging some weed. Curtis was out there. Damn. Now, he's making decent money slanging. He even purchases his first gun as a teenager. And he just, I guess, keeps leveling up on the corner. Um, He ends up getting arrested and jailed a couple of times. Once as a juvenile, he gets caught with drug money and guns in high school. Then around 18, 19 years old, he ends up selling some cocaine to an undercover officer and gets arrested. And then weeks after that arrest, I guess either they had a warrant to search his house or, you know, they come up to his house and they end up finding multiple different types of drugs at his house and a gun. And he's ended up arrested again. But these bad experiences with the law would soon kind of push him out of that world, wanting to change and do better for himself. He ends up becoming a young father with his first child, Marquise. And he's trying to do something different and better with his life. So he ends up kind of slowly leaving that drug world and transitioning into hip hop and doing something with that. Okay. A now natural that, transition. You said what? It's a natural, natural transition. I feel like a lot of people follow that career trajectory. You know what's so funny? I was just watching kind of a video about like how rap has changed and all this other stuff. And one of the things one of the things people kind of mentioned was back in the day people were like selling drugs and in the gang lifestyle and some of those people wanted to transition into being rappers and making music so they used that lifestyle to kind of fund it and then they left it alone whereas nowadays people are funded using their drugs and their crime to fund their rapper lifestyle but they can't let go of the life they came from they want yeah. to merge their drug, crime, and their rap all together and not legitimize themselves. And that's what ends up getting them fucked up later. That's definitely true. That last arrest I had talked about where the police had found the drugs and the gun in his house, he was looking around three to nine years of being in jail. But for some reason, he ends up getting some sort of offer or plea. He's and <laughs> Like, even if he says he didn't, he snitched. <laughs> I just was not expecting you to say that at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime someone's getting an offer of please, like they've snitched or something. They're not just offering please out there for no reason. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I ain't gonna lie. I... <laughs> okay, so what happened is he ends up getting like... Allegedly. A, allegedly, like some sort of like six-month boot camp program. And... um as he's completing that, he ends up getting his GED. So so good for him, great. 
But I'm not going to lie. When I heard that he was like 19 when this happened, I was like, well, they could have charged, they could charge him as an adult. I don't, I don't know why he got such a light sentence. I'm not saying he snitched, but that's just funny that that's what you said. (laughs) 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 When he went from such a serious sentence to like a allegedly six month boot camp. Yeah. So it's fishy. Yeah, I mean, and and I'm not going to lie, multiple people, both in the beefs that I'm going to talk about here and maybe the ones in the future, have kind of alleged whether they had proof or not. They've always, like, alleged that, like, 50 Cent works with the police or snitches or files paperwork, like, uh, protective orders and stuff, like. I 100% believe it without any information. That's so funny. Not without any information. No facts needed blindly come on blindly you tell me he's a a snitch i believe it you tell me he's working in that office i believe it you can tell me he has an office you say he's a ci and a detective (laughs) Uh so after that sentence he starts pursuing rap and ends up going by the name 50 cent which i learned he took from some sort of like gangster hustler slash pimp in the area that he was kind of familiar with, a name Kelvin 50 Cent Martin, who was kind he of- stole known. his name. Okay, so, man, it's kind of crazy how you're saying this, because I don't want to say nothing, but I was like, usually it's like inspired by, like you take a piece of it, but he did. He just took his street name and made it his stage name. I you think know, the guy ends up dying, so maybe it's one of those like immemorial type things, but it's like, I, I thought that was weird too. I mean, I don't really care where the name 50 Cent comes from, but I thought it was weird he stole somebody's whole street name who was he known as name. 50 Cent. I mean, Six Nine and Black China did the same thing. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's why Six Nine doesn't go by Tatashi anymore. And Black China, I think it said she met some guy at the strip club that had almond eyes. If oh, yeah. Research. Yeah, it's very weird to me that he stole a name. Again, another point against him. I. <laughs> I I don't consider that a point. I just think that's weird, but that is kind of funny. Before, of course, you know, he meets the big mentors that everybody knows him to be uh, surrounded by Eminem and Dr. Dre and was taken under their wing and, you know, produced their the greatest album. One of the first mentors 50 ended up having that helped him with like learning the mechanics of rap and rapping as well, and then who ends up producing one of his first projects was Jam Master J of Run DMC. Huh. Interesting. So he ends up getting hooked up with him. They do, they spend some time together. Like I said, Jam Master J kind of mentors him, teaches him how to like count like bars and do this and write and all this and uh, produces his project. And, you know, they do all that. Curtis is starting to like pull in some, what's the word, publicity, some promo. He's starting to get his name out, be known. Now, during the time in the late 90s, heading into the 2000s, Curtis is garnering the buzz I was talking about, especially with a couple of tracks inspiring big rappers to respond, like his song, How to Rob, which he uh, basically details all these famous rappers in the game and tells how he would rob their ass and with these punchlines and puns. It's it's a decent song. If you kind of like that type of thing, you might want to listen to it. In May of 2000, Curtis was at his grandmother's house. He's uh, around his car or he's inside his car. And this is when 
his life would be forever changed. Somebody pulls up right beside him and attempts to take his life, shoots him nine times with a nine millimeter gun. Curtis gets shot in both his legs, his hand, his hip, his arm, his chest, and of course his face. Why of course his face? Because if you're familiar with 50 Cent, everybody knows that he got shot in the cheek and that it affects the way that he he talked. Ah, yes, I do recall. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Jose. <laughs> I remember him saying, I don't even know if this is accurate, it's just a memory, so it could be wrong. Him saying his jaw looked like that because he got shot. And then I remember watching like Cribs or something and his son was there. And no shade to his son, but he had the same jaw. And it's like, you are a fucking liar. <laughs> like, it's just genetics. It's not like because of the bullet. Maybe he was trying to blame the insecurity on a past injury and you just would not let it slide, would you? <laughs> he got own all his imperfections, I guess. I, yeah. You're a fucking liar. Your fucking jaws always look like that. This man survived bullets and you worried about his jaw. I mean, if he's going to lie about it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the jaw. Like, I'm not trying to shit talk his family jaw. It's just, don't lie. The Jackson jaw needs to be (laughs) studied. We need studies on the Jackson jaw. Somebody's fucking lying, apparently. So, um, after... (laughs) I can't be serious after saying that. So, of course, after the attempted assassination, 50 Cent does survive, but it takes a long time and multiple surgeries for him to recover. And unfortunately, it did leave him with a permanent slur, some would say, uh, when he talks like we talked about earlier. So some speculation is that after writing a song called Ghetto Quran and naming names of some popular drug dealers, detailing some specific situations, and naming somebody specifically named Kenneth Supreme McGriff, that is the person who ends up targeting 50 Cent. 50 Cent doesn't really confirm if Kenneth is a part of this, but years later, he confirms that the shooter was a person named Daryl Homno Baum, who was apparently a part of Mike Tyson's crew and who ends up getting murdered three weeks after 50 Cent was shot. Ooh. So there... I don't, uh, maybe I'd have to read a few more documentary, uh, not documentaries, uh, a few more biographies, maybe uh, watch a couple documentaries, but there's not a clear explanation of who exactly targeted 50 Cent and who exactly shot him. So they're making it seem like, you know, Daryl's the person, he's the shooter, but this maybe have been organized by Kenneth because he didn't like what 50 Cent said in that song, Ghetto Quran. And he didn't like that he was naming names and saying things. But apparently 50 Cent comes out and says, you know, Kenneth and X, Y, and Z, these other people who I named in the song, Ghetto Quran, are mad at me, but all that information I named was public information. It's in a book that's been published, so... I guess it just depends on what side of the code you kind of fall on, on if you think 50 Cent was right or wrong. So he's basically snitching in a song. That's what people, I guess, are accusing him of. He's saying it's not snitching if the shit's public, if it's known. Huh. So you could say if he was right to be targeted for assassination or not. I mean, if you live by the street, the rules is different. So you got to be prepared to defend or I guess die. <laughs> but he lived. Yeah, he lived. 
So anyway, let's get into some accolades. After 50 Cent's shooting, he was already, you know, getting some buzz out there with his name. He had already hooked up with Eminem and Dr. Dre and signed a million dollar contract, but the CD hasn't came out, the album. And after the shooting, he was everywhere. The popularity as well as the interest and the anticipation skyrocketed. When he first came out to the scene, that's what everybody was talking about, that he got shot nine times and lived. Yeah, like this is a brother who 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 was basically supposed to die and who didn't. So we got to see what he got to say. Yeah. Especially with, what was that one song? Many Men? <sighs> a fucking favorite. I do like that song. It's a good one. Am I living in my suburbs singing it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> your safe bubble, never never getting hurt. You leave your doors unlocked and you say, many men wish death upon me. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> suburban streets are deadly. Uh-huh. Get Rich or Die Trying debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 charts when it was released on February 6, 2003. In fact, it sold more than 800,000 units in its first week. And it was so big that by the end of the year, mind you, this came out in February, by the end of 2003, the project had sold more than 6 million units, going six times platinum. And from what I heard, as recent as 2023, it's 12 times platinum. So classic, I guess. Can you tell us some of the singles that were on there? I would love to. So some of the highlighted songs of Get Rich or Die Trying are, of course, In the Club, 21 Questions, <gasps> P-I-M-P, Many Men, What Up Gangsta, <laughs> and Back Down. Those are some of the ones I'm more familiar with. There's, of course, a, a whole bunch, 16 songs. You know, I can't knock him for that. That's a amazing debut album. A lot of iconic songs. Oh, uh, yes. I, I, would, I definitely would agree. A lot of iconic songs. And the thing is, is that the ones that didn't even become singles still were very popular, especially in the hood. And I feel in the club, it's kind of, it's kind of timeless. You still hear it today in like movies and stuff. Don't even get me started. My grandma still loves Into Club. After 50 Cent releases Get Rich or Die Trying, he releases a few more solo albums that are not as popular as the first, but are still decent. In 2005, he releases The Massacre. Curtis in 2007. Before I Self-Destruct, 2009. Animal Ambition, 2014. And The Canaan or Canaan Tapes. I forget how you say that character's name. Uh, the Canaan Tapes 2015, as well as a few others. Also, for a number of years, 50 Cent was a part of a successful group that he ended up forming called G-Unit, which reportedly uh, stood for Guerrilla Unit. I guess some sort of like military, we go all out type name. Who knows? And he also ends up uh, creating a record company called G-Unit Records as well. Did you used to say G-Unit? No, I was never a part of that. Nor in that whole... <laughs> <laughs> so stupid but so funny i just remember so many people would just like say it randomly i wonder who started it why did they start stutter saying g g unit like that 
that's a study for another day, honestly. I got to <laughs> figure that one out. Also, does just show kind of how uh, multifaceted 50 Cent is. He also wrote multiple songs for the game's first and arguably most popular album, the documentary. Mm. So he doesn't want to stop at music. In his career, he is a mogul. He ends up signing multiple deals, uh, whether it be with Vitamin Water to be their spokesperson with his own little water bottle of flavor to selling luxury headphones and being the head of a company like that. And then he ends up dabbling in being an actor and acting in movies. So he was in a few movies like Before I Self-Destruct, which I guess came as like a companion with his album, the movie Gun, All Things Fall Apart, which got a lot of promo because he ended up playing, I think, an AIDS patient and lost a lot of weight, got really, really skinny. Um, he was in Den of Thieves. And then, of course, he acted as himself in his own bio story, Get Rich or Die Trying, the movie. You know what's so sad? That cancer movie, I remember everybody was talking about it. Oh, it was cancer? Or AIDS story, whatever story. I don't even know. It was yeah. one of those, like, yeah. one, one of yeah. Because I, I remember people were, like, concerned about him when the images first came out. Me too. I was like, who the fuck is this man? But not one person watched that movie. Not one. <laughs> You watched that movie? First of all, I, I was never going to watch no movie with 50 Cent in there. I, Did I anybody listen see... to this episode watch that movie? I mean, no shade to 50 Cent. He's a good businessman, but no one watched that movie. He was really trying to be a good actor, though. I see he was dedicated to the craft. Uh-huh. That man he, looked he scary because I thought he, like, not scary and like, oh, yeah, skinny people or people with, like, diseases are scary, but, like, he looked visibly unhealthy. That man didn't look like anything he ever, ever looked like. I, w- I, w- I was concerned about him. I didn't know it was for a movie role. I was being tricked. Which, <laughs> That's probably what it was. People didn't want to be tricked, so they didn't watch the movie. The Oscars, you know, they they eat that shit up. Anytime there's a transformation in a movie, it's it's Oscar bait. Like when someone gains a lot of weight or loses weight. And I yeah. feel like that's what he wanted. And it's just like... No one saw it. It flopped. Um, it was either because now you gotta make me. Now I gotta look this bitch up. <laughs> but so I think it was either you know he wasn't a good actor or it was just too low budget for even the Oscars to pick. Because you know they love a little indie film, but maybe mm-hmm. this is a little bit too indie. It was Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, "Nah, bitch." Okay, here it is. Fall apart. Who else was in it? Oh my god, not Ray Liotta. Oh. In Whitfield. Oh my God, they showed the pictures. It is crazy. Okay, it was cancer. It was cancer. Okay. At least we got that right. Because, man, what the. F- now he had a, a wig of dreads on. So I guess they could show the progression of cancer. Let's stop judging this. Let's get back on track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he didn't have eyebrows. Like some people could pull off the eyebrow look. He cannot. Dang. Some people can. Shout out Whoopi. I knew you. I was going to wait for you to do it. I knew what was happening. Now, 50 Cent doesn't even stop at movies. He's going complete. I mean, he's, he he can't stop going, basically. He's even wrote books, and he's even dabbled in television. He even had a sketch comedy show. And 50 Cent is not even a comedian. I mean, he would like to think he probably is funny, but whatever. So he had a comedy sketch show on BET called 50 Central. And then, of course, if you're familiar with 50 Cent, you know about his ever-expanding power book series that airs on Stars. Mm. But, you know, through the rise of his career and all the money he's made and even the money he's lost, you know, one thing he's never stopped doing is being petty. 
<laughs> so just to start in on the jaw thing, which is his biggest beef, everybody knows that these two men have been beefing for years. But some people know the beginning and some people don't. So let's talk about how this even started. There are elements that come into Eminem slash Ja Rule beef, but just so you know, I'm not going to be talking about anything involving Eminem. I'm strictly talking about 50 Cent and Ja Rule. In 1999, some affiliate who is known by both Ja Rule and 50 Cent ends up confronting Ja Rule for either sleeping with his girl or something of that nature. And ends up beating up Ja Rule and then robs him for his chain. Damn. Now, when Ja is, you know, confronted, interviewed, Ja Rule claims that this is a person who is a known associate of 50 Cent. And he knows he did this to him, basically. 50 Cent claims that after all this happened, you know, Ja gets robbed and all this. They end up seeing each other in the club. And, you know, Ja acts cold to him. 50 Cent isn't really cool with that. He lets it go in the moment. But he does write a diss track. And the diss track is called Life's on the Line. They're barking back and forth, but nothing's happened yet until 2000. Uh, The very next year, they're both booked in a Atlanta club for performances and When they meet, they start barking at each other again, throwing jabs. But then it starts to get physical between the two. Uh, Nothing too serious. It does get broken up. They go their separate ways, whatever. Now, it's later in that year of 2000 where they're now in New York City. They're at the Hit Factory Studios, something. I think it's called the Hits Factory. They're both there, but they're both with their cliques. Uh, 50 Cent has his people, G-Unit, his entourage. And then you have Ja Rule has his people murdering. Murder. (laughs) In this meeting, when they come together and then they start arguing and fighting and all this shit, 50 Cent ends up getting stabbed by a Murder, Inc. affiliate, a rapper called Black Child, who says that he only stabbed 50 Cent or had his knife because he was being threatened at the time. I believe him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you just don't want, you don't like 50 Cent. You don't care if you get shot or stabbed. <laughs> no, no, no. Now, the actual violence between the two ends up calming down for years. You know, they still have the opportunity to talk shit about each other. Maybe send a couple jabs or a diss in a song, but there's nothing like memorable happening for the rest of these few years. The only diss tracks, the big notable ones kind of come out at the beginning where the beef is really hot. You have 50 Cent doing Wangsta. Uh, <laughs> I smell pussy. <laughs> uh, Back Down and Hail Mary are kind of the ones that are known that are talking about Ja Rule or have like the subliminals aimed at Ja Rule. And then Ja Rule has his uh, diss tracks, Loose Change, Clap Back, and Guess Who Shot Ya. Oh, like, Guess Who Shot Ya. Why are you so excited? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> guess why? <laughs> I can't guess even. Who? I can't even mirror that excitement. You, you, it sounded like you edited it to your library. <laughs> or you said it. I am going to listen to it afterwards, but. <laughs> I do think in this time frame that we're talking about right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it's just by memory, um, mm-hmm. in the court of public opinion, 50 Cent was definitely winning. 
yeah, throughout all this, 50 Cent is definitely being looked at as the champ. He is the one with the big street cred. Like 50 Cent and other uh, rappers kind of mentioned in interviews in the future, like 50 Cent was making gangster rap. And Ja Rule was the one who ushered in that whole rapping, that melodic rap, you know, uh, pairing himself with the R&B star, specifically Ashanti and all that other stuff. He wasn't doing like hard gangster rapping like 50 Cent. He didn't have the street cred like 50 Cent had as far as being a drug dealer, being out the street and converting into a a rapper. So Yeah. yeah, he was the one who everybody was like, oh yeah, that's that's the motherfucker whose side I'm on. Besides me, there is something magical about Ashanti and Ja Rule. And I I personally feel like 50 took that for me. Oh, yeah. They probably had a few more co- collaborations in them. I go on, I love every Ja and Ashanti collaborations. Uh-huh. They were great. Even the one where it's J-Lo, when Ashanti sing me for J-Lo. I love those, too. <laughs> J-Lo need to call her nigga saying ass. <laughs> <laughs> She she had a couple of tries and she had to be on the bench. She couldn't control herself. She couldn't. Now, like I said, besides those uh, big dish tracks at the beginning, those couple of dust ups at, in the early two thousands, things are calm. You know, there's no active beef. You know, no big real words exchanged until around two thousand and thirteen. It starts to flare back up. God damn! You know? This is fourteen years later. Exactly. They can't let it go. They That's can't. me. I have feuds with people for years. I love it. You do, actually. This is you. I mean, maybe you don't like 50 Cent because you are 50 Cent. <laughs> He's the part of me that I hate. <laughs> maybe. So 2013 is so funny because Ja Rule around that time uh, like does a post saying, you know, me and 50 was on the same flight. No bad words or energy exchange. It's all it's all peace, you know. And then later that year, Fifty Cent is performing at Summer Jam in New York City, and just for no reason at all, decides to diss Ja Rule. So it's like, damn! Even when Ja's trying to bring peace, he can't he can't get peace. Do you know how he dissed him? I don't remember what he said. It just says that he ends up dissing Ja Rule. He's soft. You know, the regular stuff he, yeah. he's always said. I would have said, you know, we're in the same flight, but I'm in first class. <laughs> I think the fourth. thing is, neither one of them could one-up each other in that area, because I think they were in the same section. Uh, so, yeah. That might have been when 50 years after his bankruptcy. It could have been. Now, the next year, 2014, Ja Rule ends up giving an interview, and he just lets go personally that he thinks that 50 cent is a rat and he is a rat who ends up giving information to uh the police and the feds and ended up getting murder inc investigated basically referring to the investigation that murder inc got fell under when they were like basically found lying about their their money and all this and irv Gotti ends up getting arrested and going to prison for all those years i think tax fraud or something like that mm-hmm. something like that uh, so, yeah, uh, Ja Rule just takes the opportunity to call 50 Cent a rat and says that he has something to do with that. But 50 Cent says, no, nah, they ain't had nothing to do with me. And then, unfortunately, 50 comes up on, you know, the come ups of all come ups because Firefest happens in 2017. 
And of course, we uh, find out that Ja Rule is one of the like promoters, one of the investors, one of the people involved. And 50 Cent had a field day with that. They said constantly on his Instagram posting memes of Ja Rule uh, talking about him, how he's broke and how he scammed these people. And Ja couldn't escape it because unfortunately it was true. It was true. It was not <laughs> it a was good look true. for him. Them fucking tents, the fucking sand, them bad sandwiches. Unfortunately, he had to hold that ill. I mean, <laughs> I don't feel like John was that hands on. I just remember that meeting where he's like, that's not fraud. Uh, it's false advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, John, you're trying to dance around it. Yeah, I don't think John ja Rule was one of the big wigs. But unfortunately, when your name is like attached to a disaster like that, you're gonna get, you're gonna get the flack just as if it was a success. You would have got some praise. So yeah, because well, yeah, he was like the spokesperson. He was one of the out of all the organizers. He was the name you knew. Uh huh. Exactly. You didn't know them other people. No. You were either buying it for name recognition, which I don't think you were buying it for job rule name recognition, but who knows? Uh, or you were buying it because they made the luxury festival experience just sound so good. Having job rule though definitely helps sell the lie. Cause you, it's like, oh, we got a legitimate artist. They're not gonna fuck me out of this money. And yeah. Experience. Yeah. Yep. That's why people f- they fake promotion posters around the city so bad. Cause it's like, oh, I could paste the celebrity on this uh, poster and say they're gonna be there, but they ain't gonna be there. But I know your ass gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> That when that uh, fire festival happened, you know, 50 had a wealth of material he could just insult Ja Rule with constantly over the internet, and Ja just had to take it along with the whole internet roasting them. And then the next year came the infamous troll of 50 talking about how he found Ja Rule's concert being sold, concert tickets being sold on Groupon. And so, in a response to seeing that, he decided to buy the front 200 seats to the concert so that. Nobody's in the front, and he'd have to look out into the the eyes of the crowd and see nobody. Uh, I love it, and I hate it. (laughs) Why do you love it, and why do you hate it? Because, like, part of me, like, if I hated someone so much and I could had the money to do that, it's like, yeah, let's like let's be this petty person. Let's, you know, no one wants to fucking see you. I can afford all these tickets; they're so cheap, and no one, you know, you'd be looking at an empty audience. (laughs) So, like, I love the pettiness. But I hate it because it's like on the other side, like looking at Jaws side, like that is just so mean. Like just let it go. Focus on your bankruptcy 50. Like let it so go. So unnecessary. Yeah. But I and with myself, like that's something I would fight with. But 50 Cent, he just goes into those demons. So yeah, um, even though this was a huge troll, and this is one of the biggest troll moments that honestly get like brought up when it comes to 50 Cent now, like it's reached his Hall of Fame of troll. I, I don't believe it though. Just for a couple things, 50 Cent is petty, but he's not wasteful. I think he saw the opportunity to make Ja Rule look like a joke, but he didn't have to spend no money. <laughs> Because there was no proof that he even bought these seats. And I think, ja, I think unfortunately, because he's kept this beef going so long, I think 50 Cent hates Ja Rule so much, he wouldn't even spend money on him to make him mad. He just saw the opportunity to embarrass him. So he just did it. And everybody believed him because he's 50 Cent. Yeah, I mean. He still he wins. Could, <laughs> yeah, he could just say that and he wins. Even just showing, like, 
his tickets being sold on Groupon, let's say for $30, he wins. Yeah. And so throughout, throughout the years, they, from since 2000 and like 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, we've gone back into calm waters. Not really much is going on. Uh, but then a couple weeks ago, I think it just picked up again, but it's some, uh, what do you want to call it? Like middle age petty, like actual petty children drama. 50 Cent trolls a, ja, a ja Rule performance where he's performing one of his old songs on a cross. Ja Rule retorts uh, roasting 50 Cent because he just had the incident where he was performing and he threw those mics in the crowd and one bazinga that girl right in the forehead. Oh, yeah. And everybody knows that his ass is going to have to settle or be sued. <laughs> so they're still just being petty old men who just can't let it go. Um, They're about 50 changed, years old. That's sad. But they just took the violence out of it. So uh-huh. it's safe to say that, it, you know, they'll be doing this when they're in diapers. <laughs> From diapers to diapers. Diapers. <laughs> it's a good thing they did not know each other when they were children. One of them might not have made it out. You know, I think in some people's lives, you meet someone who was an enemy in a past life. Mm-hmm. And I think these people have been enemies for several lifetimes now. Yeah, why else can you keep it going when there's no more fire? There's like, y'all burnt the firewood. There's nothing else to burn. Y'all are just burning ash. I did it, though. I did it. Well, another day, another rapper, another rapper, another beef. Mm. Who is so it this mad time? under write a song about you. <laughs> Ain't that something? I am so mad. I'm about to dedicate my time to just thinking about you. <laughs> Which I, I love it. I love those type of songs, but it's just, it's it's funny, you know, when people have street cred and they're like, I'm, I'm about to go home, get in my notebook, write a song about you. It's going to rhyme sometimes. It's going to rhyme <laughs> sometimes. Now, this next beef is with the big boss, Rick Ross. Mm, I don't think and I know this one. this one gets messed up quick and fast. Okay. So... This all started over ego. It's kind of crazy if you think about it. In 2008, apparently both Rick Ross and 50 Cent attended the BET Awards. And that year when they were backstage or in the crowd or somewhere, some whatever, um, when Rick and 50 passed by each other, I guess 50 Cent had like a weird look on his face. He didn't look too pleasant or friendly. And since he was passing by Rick Ross and had that face on his face, Rick Ross took that some sort of way, ends up like dissing 50 Cent in a song, and the song's called Mafia Music. Does Rick Ross not know that 50 was shot in the face? He can't help it. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) That's just his face. And that's the thing, 50 Cent on his end denies it. it, says that didn't happen. In fact, I don't even remember seeing Rick Ross. Oh my goodness, imagine you pass someone in the hallway and you get so mad because they have a stank face on. Like, they just, they don't smile at you. But also, who could be telling the truth? Because think of it this way. Okay, maybe Rick Ross did try to, like, get some FaceTime with 50 Cent and then saw his face, so he backed up and saw that that wasn't a move. Okay, uh, so, you are like, that doesn't mean it's about you. He could be having a bad day. That's true. So he takes it personal and, and backs up. But also, 50 Cent is saying, like, this didn't happen. I never saw him in the first place after the beef has already been started. 
So what if 50 Cent was paying him dust? He can't, he ain't gonna tell the truth and say, Yeah, I saw that nigga. And I and I ghosted his ass with my face. I kind of feel like 50 Cent would. That's what I'm saying. It's both possible. Uh, it, it could be Rick Ross was starting to get big and popular. And so his ego was big. And so he expected to get dapped up and received mm. well by the other players in the game. And 50 Cent didn't do that. So he felt some sort of way. It also could have gone the other way where uh, 50 Cent maybe just didn't see this nigga. Or 50 Cent don't <laughs> like that man. <laughs> so I don't know who's telling the truth. But either way, it ends up blowing up fast. So Rick makes that song Mafia Music in which he ends up talking about a past domestic dispute, past domestic case that 50 Cent had to deal with where he was um, beefing. I say beefing, but there was abuse involved with his first baby mama. And they end up getting to some sort of fight, argument, dispute. And somehow, some way, uh, the house that they were living in that she and, you know, their son was primarily staying in gets burned down. And, you know, 50 Sands of getting charged for, you know, these domestic charges um, and so forth and so on. And then Rick Ross takes that and puts it into the song talking about weak ass man burned his baby mama's house down. He got to buy another one. Don't forget the gas can, you know, all that type of shit. I'm adding this one to the list, too. (laughs) You silly. Oh now, my goodness. After his mom died in a fire, he's going to try to burn her alive. Oh, oh my Therapy. God. That's Therapy deep seated. I didn't even uh-huh. think about that. Look oh. at you. You should have done 50. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, after 50 Cent hears this, he retorts with the infamous song, Officer Ricky. This song <gasps> is uh, making fun of the fact that Rick Ross uh, is known to be a correction. A correction officer before he got rich and famous, which was something that he initially hid when he became a popular rapper. I remember this being big news when it came out, but I did not realize it was 50 Cent who brought it to the forefront. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of that, like people were, you know, saying he doesn't have street cred, which apparently you need. Yeah, people are starting to shift about that, I see, but I don't know how I feel about anything, but rap isn't even my lane. So I guess I, I'll shut up. I don't think you need street cred, but I also don't think that people who don't have street cred should just be outright just lying about everything. But then I'm like, ain't rap entertainment, but ain't a true story. But ain't. And then I split in half and I say, shut the fuck up and listen to R&B. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm very confused about how I feel, but I also don't think you should. You, you have to kill and scam people just to be able to rap. So I guess that's where I, I, I actually fall. Well, that's where you're wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> now, uh, the song Officer Ricky is making fun of the fact that Rick Ross was this rapper who raps about all these drugs, being this big mover and seller and shaker. But he actually was a correctional officer in Florida before he blew up. Shortly after that record was released, Officer Ricky and uh, Rick Ross went on a radio show and basically told 50 Cent, you know, that that shit was weak. And you got like 48 hours, 24, 48 hours to come up with something else, something better. 
And 50 Cent takes that as a challenge. Took that personal. Mm. In fact, he he even tags it with saying, oh, I'm about to fuck up your life for fun. So I think after just a day, he ends up releasing a cartoon based off his song, Officer Ricky, called Officer Ricky, in which it's just like this, like, cheap animation crudely paced over whatever you want to call uh, Rick Ross's face is crudely paced over his own character. And they're just making fun of the fact that he was a correction officer and all the facts they found out about his family and his job and all that. That's all it is. Mm. Um, but it's a cartoon. So people laugh at it. <laughs> and uh, then he ends up getting con- getting in contact with Rick Ross's baby mama, Tia. Ends up getting Tia on the internet doing an interview. It's 50 Cent and Tia sitting down in front of the camera. And he basically gets Tia to like spill her guts about Rick Ross, you know, dog dog Rick Ross out on camera. Basically oh. says uh he's front end, his jewelry's fake, his lifestyle's fake, he's leasing cars. And in response to doing all this, you know, 50 Cent kind of uh takes her on as like a project. He takes her. He, he videotapes him taking her out on a shopping spree. He ends up later, I think that year or the next year, ends up helping her write her biography, her own book. One time he ends up inviting her and uh, her children with Rick Ross, invites them to hang out with Floyd May- Mayweather at his house. It's just like real, real fucked up tactics to make you be like, God damn, he's kind of evil. He's infiltrating my entire life. I hate it and I respect it. <laughs> so in response to all this, you know, uh, Rick Ross ends up releasing another disc called Kiss My Pinky Ring Curly. Uh, just a whole bunch of, you know, talking shit sprinkled in homophobia. They just kind of go back and forth now making tracks about each other, calling each other gay. Honestly, that's literally what it was. A little flirting. A little flirting, a little slurring. (laughs) But it gets worse on March of 2009. 50 Cent decides to take a a step further. And Rick Ross's other baby mama, legal name Listonia Levinson. I hope I'm saying that right. He ends up leaking her sex tape while dressed as this sketch comedy character called Curly. She's dressed as a character? No, he like... 50 Cent is dressed up as this man named Curly. I guess the the name Rick Ross gave him in this curly wig and ends up uh, doing an intro of the sex tape that he leaks of Rick Ross's baby mama. And not only does an intro as this little sketch comedy character, he also um, provides commentary throughout it. And it's is all over the with Rick Ross? No, I don't think it's with Rick Ross, no. Damn, you know he probably just like a private detective to get all this information. That's crazy. So he ends up leaking it in March of 2009, but it isn't until February 2010 that Lestonia ends up suing 50 Cent for leaking that tape. Oof. And guess how long it takes for this to be resolved? It's still ongoing. Five years. Oh, overshot it. <laughs> but you know how those things go. Uh-huh. Now... It takes five years for it to be resolved, but she does end up winning. And altogether, she is awarded $7 million. She's awarded $5 million initially and then $2 million in punitive damages. 
It's yeah. so sad. They view these women as pawns, like objects for them to use. Yeah, it kind of um, is basically mirroring that whole Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis situation. Uh-huh. The men aren't man enough to just play it straight or keep it focused on their opponent. They chicken out by bringing the women in because they're weak spots and they have nothing to do with the fight as well as society does not view women as important. No, they are an extension of a man. Exactly. So everything a woman does once she is your girlfriend, fiance, wife means you are endorsing everything that she does. You are her and she is you. Every good and bad thing reflects good or bad on you. She can't do anything outside this line of perfect. She can't have a previous life. She can't have her own thoughts, her own actions, her own ideologies. It's kind of crazy. You have to be a certain way, act a certain way, look a certain way. It's terrible. Rough being a woman out there. It is. Now, shortly after this judgment of $7 million, 50 Cent does file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which you have talked about. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. This was all a plan. Did you? (laughs) You think so? Yes, I did not know. Oh, my goodness. This fucking, he stole his name. He's a rat. And now he's taking out the fucking son of a bitch. He can't keep getting away with this. Yeah. Now, if you want a slight definition, chapter 11 bankruptcy, and this is loose layman's, (laughs) chapter 11 bankruptcy is the type of bankruptcy that is different from seven in which 11 is what helps you kind of reorganize slash organize your assets in the best ways to actually help you pay off your debts or help you arrange a payment plan that you can uh, abide by. Whereas chapter seven is you admitting you're broke, you don't have any assets or you have very limited assets and you will not be able to pay this off, these debts you have. Mm. And so they figure out a way for you to like uh, pay a small fee or whatever to clear all your debts completely. Whereas chapter 11 is is not not that. So did she get her money or not? Um, So seeing as a year... He went through bankruptcy. He ends up playing broke, saying he doesn't have money, signing a few deals, winning another lawsuit against his other lawyers that defended him in the sex tape lawsuit. So he ends up paying off his debt years later. So I think she did at least get most, if not all her money. But I don't know how long it took her to do to get that. I just remember... He filed bankruptcy, and then there was like a photo of him with a bunch of money in bed or something. Yes, and people were saying he's hiding money, and I, you know, I didn't care enough to look into it. But yeah, so he's hiding money, allegedly, for a fact. And that's kind of what everybody speculated, assumed, and think what was happening. But that did actually get him hemmed up for a second. So it's funny you mentioned that. So yeah, he was doing those Instagram posts uh, with money in the fridge. Spelling out broke and fun with money, all this other stuff. And the judge saw that his bankruptcy judge. So he gets called to court and they're like, bro, what the fuck is all this? You got all this money. You're showing this money um, publicly, but you're filing for bankruptcy. What is this about? And that's when 50 Cent admits to the court that, no, I do not have this money. This money is not real. This money is all fake. 
The lifestyle I present online is fake. It's all artificial. I'm just trying to sell an image and a brand, which for a man like 50 Cent, I mean, it's a good bailout plan because, I mean, if you can prove that you don't have that stuff under your name, then it worked as well as that is how some people operate. A lot of people are just fronting. They don't have the money to sustain the lifestyle, so they have to buy the cheap jewelry, you know, have the planned picks to show what they want people to think they have, but they ain't got it. That's true, but it's also true to hide money. I do. Yeah. And I think with the way that 50 Cent came up, I mean, he made some smart decisions. And like I said, he sued his formal legal team that lost the sex tape lawsuit and got 14.5 million. So he, he came up on some stuff, but I do think it's stupid to think that this man didn't have some money put away somewhere. Yeah. When this comes out that 50 Cent has filed for bankruptcy, of course, you know, the first thing, uh, your enemy has to say is that, you know, you're a broke boy. You fucked up. So Rick Ross takes a jab in an interview and says, you know, if the man who made the album Get Rich or Die Trying ends up fi- filing for bankruptcy, his kidney should fail, basically. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Now, that's one of the last big ones, big jabs, last jabs I've heard between Rick Ross and 50 Cent. They've had little comments when Rick Ross ended up like getting like a citation or something about his Wingstop restaurants. You know, they have little things to say, but nothing big. It's just once again, like the whole Ja Rule situation, it has this big explosion at the beginning that starts all this bullshit. And then as they get older and they have no material to pull from, they just just become old men fighting over nothing. (laughs) So here comes another de-escalated middle-aged man feud that doesn't really do anything. You know, the last words said were around 2019. Somebody asked Rick Ross in an interview, would you ever do some music with 50 Cent? And Rick Ross was like, I don't think his music has value. He is quoted as saying, I don't know what his value is to music culture at this moment. I never made music with him. I don't have an interest in making music with him. Which I mean, that seems about right. 50 Cent isn't really even big on making albums. He comes out with one every once in a while, but Rick Ross is the more active one in rap anyway. Yeah. doesn't really speak out unless he sees like a big headline and he wants to talk shit. Otherwise, Rick Ross will put in his music and they kind of go their separate ways. I, I don't know if there's a good guy in this one. I think they're both just big rappers with big egos. Honestly. Yeah. I think that's all it was. And in different stages of their careers, they were just they thought they were the, the shit. They were at the top. And they just were feeling and smelling themselves to the highest degree, you know? It's just so funny, though, to get how it started, how it started, and how far it went. Yeah. So that is part one of the many feuds of 50 Cent. Just to kind of give you a sneak peek, a couple of people I might be talking about are Fat Joe and DJ Khaled. And, of course, the other one next time. But... I think that's a good place to end it right now. No, Wendy? Oh, 
I said a sneak. I wasn't going to give you all the people I was going to talk about. Oh, my God. wasn't going to give you all the people I was going to talk about. I was waiting for Wendy. You're leaving us so hungry. I'm sorry. But like I said, we, I, said, well, I was about to say Wendy Sit. <laughs> 50 Cent has had a lot of beefs. And I have a couple more in the script. But like I said, it's too long. And I want to I want to make it a two-parter. You let us eat an appetizer and kicking us out before the meal. Oh, you silly. <laughs> so uh, I apologize if I have left you hanging, but stay tuned for my next episode where we can finish this up. Now, oh my goodness, this would have never crossed my radar, and I actually really love the subject. So thank you. Oh, I th- you are welcome, sir. <laughs> of course, anything for you. Now, we like to end our episodes, you know, where we share a piece of media that's been on our minds, in our hearts, in our souls. Something that we like to talk about, uplift or degrade. Would you like to go first? Um, I can go first. All right. So my media this week is a book called The Honeys. And it's by Ryan, I think it's. La Sala? But I don't know. I might be making that too Spanish of a name. I don't know if he is. You people always. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But the book I found very interesting. It's Yonder Doll, and usually with Yonder Doll, I do not like. I don't like the decisions the characters make. I hate that there's usually like a big problem and it can be solved by going to like a parent or an adult and it's like, no, we can't do it. And then they finally do that at the end. And I don't like that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but this one, for the most part, I thought when he needed to go to an adult, the character did go to an adult and it, it wasn't stupid to me. So I really like this book. It starts off. This is a small spoiler, but it's literally how the book starts off. So it's not that big of a spoiler. Okay. But it starts off him waking up and his twin sisters trying to kill him. Oh my fucking God. I can't believe you spoiled that. <laughs> and then she dies. Um, oh my God. Really? Yes. Oh damn. What is this called again? The honeys. The honeys. Okay. I don't know why I heard you say happy honeys. That's all I know. I'm <laughs> fucked up. So then he's, he's a, he's gender fluid, but he does by he, him, they, them, she, her, but okay. mostly he, him. Uh, so he's like, Comes from a rich family, and he's like, why did my sister, you know, try to kill me? I'm going to go to the summer camp, try to figure out, like, why she loved it there so much. And he didn't love it. And it's it's really interesting. It's kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, like, paranormal-ish. But it's interesting because he's gender-fluid. And I never really read a book that had a gender-fluid character in it. And it... You know, at camp, he has to do, like, the boy stuff. He has to do what the boy things do. And oh, it, yeah. It's, like, awkward because even he has to change. He can't wear nail polish. He has to cut his hair. He mm-hmm. he can't really hang out with the girls as much as he wants to. And, you know, that resonates with me. Uh, someone who grew up with a lot of friends that were girls, like, you know, those times where it's like, oh, now it's, like, especially in school, like, when you're younger, they, like, separate the gender sometimes. Yeah. It was always, like, weird, like, you know. Oh, I'm not a girl, so I can't deal with them, but I have to stay with the guys and yeah. I'm I'm not that friends with them. Even as we got older and like our friends are like dating and stuff and all that, it was like I'd be friends with the girls, but sometimes it's like, 
oh, the girls are to do this and the guys to do that. So I was hanging out with the boyfriends. Like, I don't know these guys. Like, they're just yeah. boyfriends. And then as soon as they broke up, we didn't talk to the dudes no more anyway. Yeah. So it's something like when you're a guy who has a lot of friends that are girls, like, it's very awkward. And when you don't, like, 100% do, like, what quote-unquote masculine, it's... So I relate to that part of the book a lot. And it, it was just very interesting. I I liked it. It had a theme of bees. And anytime there's bees in a book, I love it. Ah, you like bees? Secret Life of Bees? The Secret Life of Bees? Yeah. Why does that sound familiar? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I don't remember. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> Secret <laughs> Life of Bees is uh, a book that got uh, adapted into a film that has uh, Dakota Fanning, Queen Latifah, Jennifer Hudson... Tells a girl's summer with the I've, black beekeepers. Okay, I was trying to think of Aquila and the Bee and that one. I was getting confused. But <laughs> Aquila and the Bee is a scowling bee with Kiki Palmer, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. I think I've seen the movie. I think I liked it. I did not know it was a book, but. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. All right. I'll just be nosy. <laughs> but three themes I love in books is bees, fire, or if the house is like a kind of like a character. Okay. And it had bees, so it won me over. I think that's the only reason I read it. But that's my media. That's a good media. I'm very interested in that book now. I don't know if I'll read it, but I am intrigued. Yeah, it was very interesting to read. And the ending was good. At first, I did not know how I felt about the ending, but sitting with it, I liked it. Yeah. And I've been looking up the author a little right before we started Listen, I saw he had a podcast, so I want to listen to his podcast. Ooh, okay. I guess it's my turn. All right, so I just, I just, I just came across my media a few days ago and devoured it as fast as possible. So I was on Amazon Prime looking for something to watch. You know, what's for free that I ain't got to pay for? And it's like it knew I needed something to watch. Of which I already knew about, but wanted to know more. And so shiny, happy people just scrolls across my screen. Shiny, happy people, the Duggar family secrets. And I said, hot doggy, don't mind if I do. And it's uh, four episodes, uh, anywhere from like uh, 35 minutes to like 45 minutes, I think, if I can remember correct. And they're so inter, and I don't want to say because they're talking about some hard shit, some yeah. fucked up shit, some cult, religious, restricting, suffocating, sexual assault, sexual harassment shit. It's really um, easily watchable. Um, it's very informative. They gave us so much. I definitely think they could have gave us more. Mm. Even one of the Duggars, the Duggar children, is a part of it. I think it's. Jill, Jill and her husband, Derek, they're the ones who speak in the docuseries. Uh, there is a cousin, Amy King, Jim Bob's sister, and Jim Bob's former best friend. And then uh, as much as they talk about the Duggars, they talk about Bill Gothard, which to this day, I am sorry that I, I kept calling that man Gothard <laughs> in the Duggar uh, episode. <laughs> Man, they were not telling me how to pronounce this man's name. But they talk about Jim, Bob Duggar, and Michelle, and Josh, and also Bill Gothard, the founder slash, like, 
speaker of IBLB, the Institute of Basic Life Principles, and how he kind of just took over this fundalist fundalism fund fundamental shit. I can't talk. <laughs> how he basically uh, took that quiverful lifestyle, those ideologies, the religious ideologies of, you know, basically making sure the man is the authority. Nobody speaks ill against them. Nobody rises against male authority and women stay in the kitchen and bear children and do what women do. He's the one who basically uh, made that so popular and put it in everywhere and persuaded all these parents to put these kids in these unsanctioned home school program that didn't teach them anything except for how to obey, submit, and be quiet. And they have so many of the adults who were a part of those lifestyles and programs and in those institutes and training centers talking about how fucked up it was and what they were taught. And a few of the women talk about how Bill target targeted them, uh, sexually assaulted them, or how they were assaulted by other male members and how they just, it took them years to speak out, years to get out of it. And how most of them, a couple of them were uh, new parents who got into the lifestyle, but how most of those adults were children brought in by their parents. It's very compelling. It's very entertaining. It's very messed up, but it's, man, it's just informative. I think, People should watch it, especially if you're interested in that whole Duggar, um, Bill Gothard um, situation. I'm looking forward to another couple of documentaries because they need more people to speak out about this man and what he did and the fact that they're still teaching this shit all over America, all over the world, apparently. I mean, it's the way God intended, you know? You know what? I will come through this goddamn... You know, I, Wi-Fi Mike is strangle you. That's how your book is gonna start. Trina's <laughs> is trying to kill me. <laughs> I love watching culty shit and all that, but I have to be in the mood because sometimes I just get so angry with it. It's like, yeah, you're so self-important that God just wants you to fucking have all these kids. Like, yeah, that's your purpose in life, bro. Like, just have all these fucking kids with your lame-ass DNA that, you know, you're not special. And it just it just pisses me off. And then so much religion and sexual assault just go hand-in-hand. Hand. So I just have to be in the right headspace. Because I, I love learning about all that stuff. And yeah, I'm appalled to learn about it, too. Like, when I say love, I don't even think that's the right word. Because it's like... Yeah, I feel weird saying entertaining about stuff like that. Yeah, Like, I find it interesting, but from a morbid sense of view of, like, damn. Uh And then you always have that thing of, this can never be me, but then you, like, see how they, like, were broken down. uh Interesting. So, did you learn more about the Dutters from it? I don't... I I learned more about how the Duggars be... Hmm. How they became the Dutters? Yeah, because even in the research I did, I didn't know that they were so like they were like a shoe in to, to get this document, these docu series that turned into the show 
as well as like how deep they were into that whole church situation at the start. Like I learned a little bit, some stuff I knew, but uh, definitely the stuff all about Bill and how he started up those churches and those programs and training centers. That's what I learned the most about the I, the IBLP and Bill Gothard. That's what I learned the most about. I might watch it though, because I'll, I'll probably watch it then. Cause I think I have enough information about the debtors that I can put that down. But learning more about this organization, I think that would be interesting. Yeah, because it's like half and half. Like yeah. those, they'll dedicate it, uh, a portion of the episode about the Duggars, and then they go into the the segue of how they were taught and all this other stuff. So you get a, it's a good interweaving of it. Mm. But um, that's all I have. Oh, update, update, slight update. Slide update, update, update. I think Bongos is at a B now. <laughs> WAP is still I, superior, but I think it started to grow on me a little more. You know, I think last time I said I hadn't really listened to it. I listened to it afterwards, and I was like, I don't know why Katrina's not feeling this. Like, I, I thought it was a good song. Yeah. It's not better minute. than WAP. But it's, it's, it's not better, but it's, it's... It's not a C minus. I think you gave it a C minus. I did. I feel so bad. Like, that's kind of low. <laughs> It's good though. It's me, especially, and I still like Megan's verse better. But um, my favorite line out of Cardi's because it's so true about Cardi is she's like, every time I turn around, I'm getting pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, Cardi, every time you turn around, you is getting pissed off. But yeah, that's all I, I got. also went through your media suggestions, and I went through the hallelujahs. <gasps> oh my gosh, tell me. I think Rufus is still my favorite one. <gasps> The yeah, original, I ain't gonna lie. Rufus is still good. It's great. The original, I was like, this is different. I was I was kind of surprised. Because mm-hmm. I feel like everyone kind of bases it on... I want to say Rufus's, but I don't know if that's who they based it on. I, that's yeah. who I'm basing it on. Every Okay, so you got Leonard Cohen who did it. All right. And then you got... If I'm, if I'm right about this, then you have Ruf, Rufus who re tooled it but it's still all the same words so yeah. now every cover of hallelujah is modeled after rufus's b- version and not leonard's he's just still the original composer and i think i liked andrea bocelli's but i think that's just because of the kardashian quote andrea <laughs> andrew wrote i can't say it damn it he has a version yeah i think so let me add it because his we, okay, what's the song he's known for? The um, a- Ava Maria? Uh, I, I don't really know. I just know him through the Kardashians. I think, oh, damn. That's crazy that you only know this this person through the Kardashians. I think he's known for saying it Ava Maria, if I'm saying it right. And he sings it in two different languages. And one language I think is nice, but the other one is that version is superior. Mm. But he has a hot. Oh! Here is, tell me more. I found you. <laughs> yeah, because as soon as that episode ended, I was like, let me let me get my hallelujahs in line. So I told Trisha too. She said my ver the one I like of uh, uh Jeff Buckley, she said it was just like a little too slow. So what'd you think of the Jeff Buckley one? I, I think that's what it was. I think it was too slow for me. Damn. It was nice. Um I was like, I'm just trying to give it a go for Katrina. I appreciate that y'all at least tried it. <laughs> We don't do that enough here. <laughs> yeah, we're not always on time. We are not. 
Anything you got to add before we end the episode? Oh, buddy, old pal, chum. Um, no, but I know I'm going to be listening to some Ashanti and Ja Rule after this. Oh, I like demons. That's cool. Oh, do you? Ever since she told her fans to fuck off, I am on Doja. Have you been on her side more? (laughs) Man, it is crazy. I don't like this for me. But man, Paint the Town Red is still better. But Demons is not bad. So yeah. I did finally watch the video. It's not a bad song. Mm. But I might listen to some Ashanti too. So memorize. (laughs) Has she done the re-record yet? Ashanti? No, she talked about it, but she ain't done it yet. Because I remember Irv Gotti was mad about it. Was talking shit. The only way I make money is the masters. I deserve these masters because I helped create these hits. Okay, I you would have had me if you just left it at you helped create these hits, but not you trying to take the whole landlord approach. Like, mm. I, my, what's your job, a landlord? Did he date back the masters? Yeah, but I heard he his come with conditions. And NDA, you can't talk bad about him. Which is both evil and brilliant. Uh huh. Is I mean, what else would you expect the, the man to do? So these. There's so much. I, I told you. I said it off mic, but after you do an episode, I always get inspired on topics. Oh, I can't wait to see what you bring us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been wonderful. Everyone, a round of applause for Katrina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if you want to reach out to us, our socials will be listed down below. You can send us some media. Send us your thoughts on the beef with 50 Cent. Do you like 50 Cent? Do you think he's a snitch? Do uh, you have 50 Cent? Ooh, can you send it to us? Thank you. Our email will be listed down below, saveyourstory at gmail.com, and so will our Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been wonderful. Bye. Senor.